Welcome to the Pain Solutions Podcast. Dr. Wayne Fimister is a family physician with a special interest in chronic pain, whose passion is finding solutions for this epidemic problem facing one-third of the adult population. He is a clinical associate professor at the University of British Columbia in Canada and has developed one of the first online medical trigger point injection courses for doctors and nurse practitioners, a technique that is easily learned and implemented into the medical office of any doctor or nurse practitioner treating chronic pain. To get free access to Pain Solutions newsletter, blogs, and to register for his online course, simply register at www.waynefimister.com. On the podcast, Dr. Wayne brings together experts from various segments to share with you how they solve people's pain problems and how you can get this treatment too. And now, here's your host, Dr. Wayne Fimister. Hello, and thank you for joining me today. Today, I've got a very special guest, Dr. James McCormick, a professor from the Faculty of Pharmaceutical Sciences at University of British Columbia here in Canada. And he's also co-host of the widely acclaimed Best Science podcast that's been running for 10 years in Canada. So thank you so much, James, for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. It's always fun to talk to people about uh, evidence and uh, get them thinking in sometimes subtly different ways. Okay, so let's just go back. Uh, where did you grow up and go to university? Well, I grew up actually in, in I was born in England, if that's of any relevance to anybody. <laughs> but I, uh, as a young kid, we, my family emigrated to Canada in, uh, in the late mid-60s. And then uh, pretty much most of my training has been done at the University of British Columbia. And I did a, a doctorate down at the Medical University of South Carolina uh, back in the 80s. And since that time, I've been uh, at the university teaching, you know, or hope, hopefully teaching or helping people try to understand evidence and what we know about medications and how to think about medications and how to use them. Because we, when, when you look, you know, sort of critically at how medications are used, I'm, I'm sure everyone will be shocked, but they're not used perfectly. And so, uh, so we, we just try to talk about how to look at evidence, how to look at studies and how to put it into context. And we primarily do this for, you know, healthcare providers because they're the ones that are using most of the prescription medications, but we also do it with patients because ultimately they're the people who take the medications. So, you know, it's all about dissemination and helping people understand the information. Okay, so let's talk about chronic pain medications mm -hmm. and let's tie that in with the evidence behind using them and the effectiveness of these drugs. And mm -hmm. so. Yeah, so, you know, when we're talking about, you know, chronic pain, and, and a lot of it, you know, has to come down to, to how we think about using medication because, you know, uh, we, we just talked a little bit about the concept of, of evidence. And, and there's a thing called evidence-based practice. And evidence-based practice is when your, your healthcare provider works with patients to use the best available evidence uh, and then using their clinical expertise or experience and then patients' values and preferences. And so we're going to spend, we'll talk a little bit about the, you know, the evidence and studies and all that sort of stuff, but it's much more than just doing that. And, and when it comes to chronic pain, I mean, there are a variety of different ways of evaluating whether or not a particular pain medication works in a study, but you will never have a study of someone named Wayne. Or, or, or Judy or Bob. And so it ultimately comes down to say, you know, we can say that these drugs seem to have an effect when we look at average people or uh, people with conditions, but it doesn't mean in any way, shape or form it's gonna work 
in everybody and it may or may not work in an individual patient. That's where the sort of shared decision-making and, and, and assessment comes in. And unfortunately, when it comes to things like chronic pain, uh, most medications, when you, when you try to assess whether or not they're effective, they in general do not come out very well as being all that effective. And, you know, we, for years and years, we've used uh, medications like acetaminophen or Tylenol. And the evidence is exceedingly weak that, that it actually works much, that much better than placebo. And so, you know, the way that we test to see whether something works for uh, pain is we take a whole bunch of people that might have, let's say, osteoarthritis pain or, you know, neuropathic pain or back pain. And we, we randomize them to take either acetaminophen, you know, three or four times a day for a number of weeks or placebo. And then we look to see if there's any difference in the amount of pain that they're having. And interestingly, especially when it comes to something like acetaminophen, which is a very common medication being used, it doesn't seem to work that much better than placebo. Now, uh, that's, so that's where it kind of gets tricky. And you know, we can get into other types of medications. So when it comes to chronic pain, even though acetaminophen is used you know, as sort of the gold standard early on in, in the treatment of chronic pain, the evidence is reasonably clear that it doesn't do a whole heck of a lot. So, you know, that's the sort of, that, that's sort of where we're, we're starting from. But some people will report, you know, it works for me. So that's where it kind of gets tricky, right? Because, yeah. you know, w when you do a study, and this is, I'm just going to give some really ballpark numbers. But, and, and it pretty much is, uh, let, let's say for acetaminophen, uh, if, if, you, if, if you give it to people, people in the placebo group, will actually feel better. You, you might get about 30% of people in the placebo group feeling actually better, even if you haven't given them anything. Whereas, you know, if you then use acetaminophen, instead of maybe 30%, you might get 35% or 40% of people benefiting. Although with acetaminophen, you probably don't get much additional benefit anyway. So the neat thing, or I don't know if it's neat, but as a healthcare provider, if I was to recommend acetaminophen for your chronic pain, about 30% of you would, would come back and say, you know what, I think that worked reasonably well. The problem is, is it wasn't because of the medication. It was, in the, it was either the placebo effect, which is, which is probably real in people with chronic pain. Uh, at least uh, you get some benefit, but it's the natural fluctuation of chronic pain that is very difficult to tease out. And so, you know, the, so you do get a benefit, but that's one of the most important things why we have to do reevaluation on a regular basis in people with chronic pain. And the same thing applies to, uh, you know, medications like aspirin or ibuprofen and so on. Those are called NSAIDs. And the studies for those are a little bit better, especially for things like osteoarthritis pain. And again, all we can do is offer advice to say, you can try them, start with a low dose, and if you get benefit, great. And if you don't, that's unfortunate. And it's likely you won't get benefit, but let's see what happens. So that's sort of the general overview or approach to, to using medications. And, and there's a bunch of other medications that we have, obviously, uh, you know, narcotics or opioids and, and other agents that, uh, that we often use uh, for things like um, uh, uh, depression and so on that do have an effect on chronic pain. And they have a little bit of... Uh, uh, evidence that they are better than placebo, but again, not a lot. And we can talk about those maybe in a bit, in, in a little bit later. Okay. Well, thank you for introducing that principle of using acetaminophen and non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. 
let's move on. You know, with medical practice these days, as a family physician, you know, I see many patients with type of like neuropathic pain, and that may be coming from the the nerve roots near the spine. Maybe they've got some impingement or some bulging discs causing um, sort of nerve uh, impingement and pain, or it can be from the muscle side of things where they feel like a nerve-like pain there, burning or shooting or, um, you know, electric type pain sometimes more distant from the, from the, the spine, but in the more of the muscles. And that's as, as a GP, you know, we spend m- most of our time with chronic pain giving other types of medications like amitriptyline or Cymbalta um, or the infamous narcotics. Mm-hmm. So let's just dive in and um, let's just talk about the what is the evidence for these types of regular medications that are being prescribed for many patients? Yeah, so uh, so the group that I work with, uh, there's a group in Alberta that's a very evidence-based group of family docs and physicians. And we recently looked at uh, much of the evidence around, at least for neuropathic pain, and there's a number of medications, as, you're mentoring, men, uh, as you mentioned, there's some medications, one's called amitriptyline, which is a very old uh, antidepressant that we've used for many years, and other things, in, including the, the narcotics. And exactly as I was talking about with medications like uh, acetaminophen and uh, the NSAIDs or the aspirins and ibuprofen, the way we study these things is we look to see, we, can, we give a whole bunch of people with neuropathic pain we give them amitriptyline or duloxetine or gabapentin, and uh, we randomize people to either that or placebo, and we look to see how much, over a period of weeks or so, how many people are feeling better. And by feeling better, what we typically use as an endpoint is a 30% reduction in pain scores. So that's sort of considered an effective treatment. And when we do that, and, and it varies, we see anywhere from about uh, one in four to about one in 10 people getting a benefit above placebo. So that, you know, that, you know, that doesn't mean, so what, what I'm trying to say is not everybody by any stretch of the imagination gets a benefit. So, you know, the, some of the more effective ones are some of the older medications, the, the medications like amitriptyline, uh, seem to have about one in four people will get a clinically important benefit. But that means three out of four don't. And so that's why it's so important as, as a healthcare provider when we make these recommendations to say, uh, we don't know, we're hoping that this might provide some benefit, but it, it unfortunately likely won't. Now, I'm not being a great salesman here, but we're talking about the reality of what we see with this. Now, just as I talked about with other medications, in the placebo group, they do get better. So, you know, roughly speaking, about 50% of people who you give a medication to will, will go, I think maybe it's doing something. But about at least half, if not more, of those people are not getting uh, benefit because of the medication. So it, it gets very, very tricky. Okay, so you got medication like amitriptyline. You're saying 25% are going to get better from the drug, and about 25-30% are going to get better from the fact that they're just taking a drug, yeah. or you know, advice from the doctor that the doctor believes that this medication is good, and therefore there's 25% of people getting better from just the belief in it's doing something. Right. 
Yeah, and so and so if that's if that's the case, it needs again constant reevaluation and say let's tr- you know let's let's actually stop the medication and see if you if if your pain comes back because that's probably the the best way to look at but to try and figure out if it's actually working for you. Uh, and you know I think for most people. Uh, you know, once you've got pain, and if you don't want to sort of play around with it, but if if people were aware that it's unlikely that it was the medication helping, uh, it's worth giving it a trial to to just stop it because every one of these medications, uh, you know, has have side effects. Now, hopefully, most people won't get these side effects, and most people don't. But you get you with these medications because many of these uh, have some what we call central nervous system effects in your body, which means it affects a whole bunch of receptors. You know, uh, many of them will have things like dry mouth or sedation or uh, dizziness or nausea and all that sort of stuff. And so it's all about finding the balance of that. And probably one of the best ways to reduce the chance of side effects from these medications is to start with very, very low doses and work your way up. And ultimately, a healthcare provider cannot in any way, shape or form tell you the right dose for you. And so it's all about starting with very low doses and working out because, uh, you know, some of these medications do have some uh, long-term side effects. Some of the antidepressants are, are difficult to get off. You go through withdrawal. Uh, we all know about the problem of uh, opioids and, and becoming physically dependent on those medications. And so uh, it, it's all about you know, choosing medication for which we have reasonably good evidence with an understanding of the harms and allowing the person to try to figure out, and if possible, not use them and try and identify if there's some other thing that can potentially uh, benefit the patient. But, you know, none of our treatments for chronic pain, it doesn't matter what it, what it is, are successful in 100% of people, and it's about trial and error. Yeah, you know, interesting what you mentioned about low doses. You know, often I see patients... Um, that have been to see, see some specialists and the, you know, the specialists struggle with the concept of trying to help this patient. And then they start them on a medication and they titrate them up. And then you see them at sometimes five, even higher doses, five times higher the low dose that you're mentioning. And um, I just think, oh my goodness, you know, what are the side effects going to happen? Not for, for right now, but also in the next weeks or months or even years, because some patients are on these for a long time. And it amazes me that what you say that low dose can actually be just as good, if not better, than the high dose. Yeah, and, and it's tricky. It's it's and it's uh, you know it's not. And this actually applies to almost every medication. You get most of the effect of a medication from a quarter of the dose. Now, the, will there be a small percentage of people who get better when with higher doses? Absolutely. Uh, can any healthcare provider figure that out? Uh, no, <laughs> it's the only person who can figure that out is the patient. And so the way, the best way to sort of try and figure this out, and most of these medications will have an effect, you know, if we're just sort of focusing on neuropathic pain, they will have an effect, you know, within a few days. You don't need to use these medications for months and months and months to figure out if they're going to work. And so, you know, you can use a very low dose to start, see if you get a bit of a benefit. If you, if you think you might be getting a bit of a benefit, uh, and no side effects, that's great. Uh, you could try going, you know, doubling the dose and see what happens. But realizing as soon as you start increasing the dose, you will, you know, you're at a greater risk of having, you know, these side effects we talked about, whether it be 
you know, dizziness or dry mouth or nausea or whatever. And it now many people will, will tolerate or uh, get a tolerance to those sort of side effects. But our job is to try to make you feel better, not make you feel worse with medications. And when you realize that the vast majority of people who we give medications don't get benefit from them, that's the, the sort of concept that we need to work from. And, it, and it's not an embarrassment. And we shouldn't be embarrassed if, we, if your doctor gives you a pain medication and it doesn't work. You need to say, it just didn't seem to work. Because, uh, uh, you know, one of our, we sort of, uh, we have a sort of a funny byline that we use with our evidence-based group is that we, we don't, our byline is we don't care. We don't care at all. And when we say we don't care, we don't care, uh, we don't care if you take medications or not. We care that the, the medications you're on are working for you. We don't, we're not going to take it personally if, if that medication isn't working. It's, it's our job to help you find that right medication. And it would be quite unusual uh, for chronic pain for anything to be able to get rid of it all. Uh, so the expectation is that we want to be able to manage it. And what we don't want to do is have you on four or five different medications that then interact with each other and then you get side effects from all of them and we're just overall making things worse. So it's, 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 a, it's, it's a bit of a game that you have to play. And to, uh, to play the game, you need to know the rules. And the rules are, uh, as healthcare providers, all we can do is provide some guidance. We cannot uh, definitively say this is going to work better than that because often there are no studies that actually compare these agents for us to give you any advice. And like I said before, there are no studies that compare these agents in Wayne or Bob or whatever. And it's got to, it's really got to be uh, uh, done individually. And, and, and in fact, that applies to every medication we've ever had, whether it be for pain. It's, it's all about individualizing the dose and, and uh, being careful not to cause side effects. Yeah, that's certainly something I've found with patients, you know, there, there are often miraculous results, you know, you have uh, many patients come to mind for each an individual medication that we use, they've just drastically changed the patient's quality of life and helped mm -hmm. their pain remarkably. But it's only a handful of people who get that amazing outcome. And then the rest of them, you know, it's just trial and error, trial and error before you, you kind of come up with the be best either drug or combination of medication. Yeah, and, and, and it's really important to realize, like I'll just, again, from personal experience, I, over the last uh, uh, three or so years, I, I had some sort of, we never did really figure out what it was, whether it was back pain or hip pain or whatever. And, you know, I had it looked at and assessed and uh, uh, I, I never tried any pain medications because I don't really believe that they all have a, a great, great effect. I wanted to find the cause of it. And when, we, when we're looking for that sort of pain, you, you know, you do little injections into sites to see if you can uh, improve the outcome. And nothing seemed to work over a number of months or years. And then uh, um, after about two and a half years, I, I had this one injection and it didn't seem to work. And then two weeks later, my pain was gone. Now, I have no idea whether it was that injection. I, it could have been, but it could have just gone away. And that's the interesting thing about these things, and it's why you need constant reevaluation. The thing is, I actually don't care how it went away. You know, I'm glad it just went away. I got lucky. Um, but so the, the issue is, even, even if a person comes back and says, boy, it's way better, it could have just been that it got better. Now, much, much of chronic pain doesn't obviously, you know, clearly in people who are in severe pain from 
cancer and so on, you know, that, that that's not just going to miraculously get better. And we do need to use medications properly to control that. But it's really important just to reevaluate to go, you know, I, I think as a healthcare provider, we would go, I am thrilled that your pain is better because that's kind of what we're trying to do. But why don't we just see if that's, if it's what we're doing that has made it better or did it just get better on its own? Mm. And the, like I said, the best way to do that is to take a person who, who has effective pain relief and then start whittling back on their medications and seeing if you can, one, get to a lower dose and see if it actually is that. And we can always restart the medication. And I'm not aware of any evidence that says if you stop the medication and the pain comes back, that then you can't get it under control again. I, I've heard people say that that's an issue, but uh, certainly for neuropathic pain, that really doesn't make much sense at all. Uh, um, so that, that's sort of the approach. Again, it's an individualized approach, and it's basically what we should be doing every day in medicine. So just for our audience, can you uh, inform us about the new website that's been created for looking at all the different types of medications with sort of evidence of the percentage of placebo effect, percentage of effectiveness, yeah. so they, they can relate to that. Yeah, so we thought that, uh, you know, a, a lot of, and interesting enough, a lot of healthcare providers really don't have a good grasp on one, how to look at evidence. And this is not a criticism, it's a tricky thing to do. Um, and especially uh, when it comes to looking at the evidence around pain medications, and, you know, there are many, many studies, and, and what we want to do is try to help healthcare providers and patients to go, how do we figure out what thing to maybe try next? And so, uh, like I said, the group that I work with in Alberta put a lot of work in, in looking at all the best available evidence they could find for things like neuropathic pain. And there's, you know, seven or eight different types of uh uh, medication treatments that you can look at. And so we created a website called, uh, and you can go to see it, it's pain-calculator.com. And it's a, just a little calculator where you can click on the different treatments and it'll give you information about how effective a potential medication could be. Realizing um, uh, that, again, in you, it's either going to be effective or not, but it'll give you a good idea about the evidence for it. And also, list the side effects that you might experience and how big of a benefit and the costs associated with it because all of these medications have costs associated with them and really it's it's uh, there's none that are really that really stand out above any other one and so the decision of which one to start is you want to know is there any evidence that it has an effect and then you go well what about the chance of side effects and the cost and typically you likely should start with the least expensive of these because there is nothing to guide a person to say that this is that much better or that this this other one is that much better tolerated. So if you go there and you can see, uh, we haven't done it yet for osteoarthritis pain or back pain, and those will be coming soon, but you can just click on it and, and have a look at it. And, and it just helps the uh, discussion point that you can have with your healthcare provider uh, about you know, what, what would be expected from a benefit and the harms and the costs. Well, thank you for that. Just one final question. What would you like to share that maybe we haven't already discussed? Well, I think, you know, we discussed a number of different things, but I, I really th I think it's so important to empower patient, to empower patients to be to understand that it's, it's the decisions are ultimately theirs. I, I'm pretty sure you, uh, when you recommend a medication, you don't actually take it for them. You know, I think, you know, it's them taking it 
And, uh, you know, so it's all about a, what we call shared decision-making. And the shared decision-making is you have to know the best available evidence. Uh, you have to, be, uh, you know, be with a healthcare provider who has some good clinical experience and can help you work your way through this. And, but ultimately it's your values and preferences that are going to help you make that decision and your individual experience. And it's all about uh, you and your healthcare provider sort of maneuvering through the minefield, if you will, of medications. There are some really useful medications that can have an effect, uh, but they certainly, like I said, they benefit maybe anywhere from at most one in four to sometimes none. But, you know, uh, but even when you look at things like, uh, you know, the cannabinoids or medical marijuana, we're still, we're, for neuropathic pain, we're talking only about one in eight, maybe one in 10 get a benefit. Now, that's, it's great that one in eight or one in 10 get a benefit, but, you know, th those drugs also have side effects. And just like the high-dose opioids or the antidepressants or the other pain, pain medications that we use for neuropathic pain. So it, there's nothing magical about this. It's, it's working with that healthcare provider with the best evidence, their ex expertise, and, uh, you know, getting feedback from you to help them help you as best they can. Well, absolutely. I agree with that. You know, it's all about um, having a good conversation with our patients and understanding their needs and wants and coming up with choices together. And I think without the evidence, it's impossible to do that. But with the evidence, facts and figures you're mentioning, then at least we're, we're going forward in a, in a good direction and giving the best care that we can. Um, in this direction of uh, pharmaceuticals and drug management. So thank you so much, James. I really appreciate coming on today. It's been great having you. My pleasure. Uh, okay. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Yeah, bye.